Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.com or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, everybody. This is Pastor Visser from Covenant People's Ministry, located on the World Wide Web at covenantpeoplesministry.org. You can also access us at covenantpeoplesministry.com, and you can find us at various places throughout the Internet. And dear kinsfolk, I'm proud to announce the return of Covenant People's Radio, that is the Wednesday night Bible studies. And uh, we have people on the line, so if you uh, would feel like calling in, I can give you that information, and it's accessible on the TalkShoe homepage. But callers are welcome. Rather, tonight, dear kinsfolk, our study is called Through a Glass Darkly. And no doubt you've heard that term before because it comes from our New Testament. And perhaps this relaunching or re-releasing of Covenant People's Radio will be launching an even darker chapter in Covenant People's Ministries, teachings and uh, offerings. Many of you may remember Sataniel. And many of you may be asking yourself what happened to Covenant People's Ministry. Well, Covenant People's Ministry is still here. And Covenant People's Ministry will always continue to grow. But this evening, dear kinsfolk, I would like to begin in the 78th Psalm. That is the 78th Psalm, which should set the theme for tonight's study. Right at the beginning, it reads, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Indeed, dark sayings of old. But what we must realize, dear kinsfolk, is while many things in the Bible could be considered dark sayings or have dual meanings, to the fool, that is the fool who says there is no God within his heart, all of Scripture is foolish. All of Scripture could be considered a dark saying to them. For example, they are the people who want to come along and say, well, God is hateful because God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But is God truly hateful? Or was what God did in the book of Genesis by destroying the Sodomites an act of love? And dear kinsfolk, that's what we'll be covering this evening, is the concept of agape love, the love that comes from Yahweh God, the love that we're supposed to have for one another as Israelite kinsfolk, the love that Jesus Christ had for his people his beloved bride, his chosen people, Israel. But continuing on in the Psalm 78, verse 3, it says, it continues, it says this, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, indeed our forefathers have told us this, throughout all of Scripture, for all of Scripture is designated and dedicated to one specific group of people, the same people that Jesus Christ came for when he said, I am come only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The same people that the disciples were dispersed abroad to go and testify to. 
and dare kinsfolk, the Corinthians, who were often considered heathens and pagans at the time, for they worshipped Greek gods and so forth. The Corinthians were one such group of people that Paul was sent to. But we, as Israelites, are instructed to not forsake the law of Yahweh God. And so what we see in the land today is many New Testament, quote-unquote, Christians who come along and they love interjecting their own dogmas. They love saying, well, all you've got to do is love. All you have to do is hate the sin and love the sinner, and they have all these buzzwords. But we will be covering what is love this evening. And indeed, what love is is not necessarily what people think it could be. Continuing on in 78th Psalm, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation, meaning genios and or race, showing to the race to come the praises of Yahweh and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. And indeed, this is the law itself the law that is to be passed down from generation to generation. This is the reason why the commandment, honor thy mother and father, is the command that has promise, the first command with promise, meaning that if you honor the ways of your mother and father, well, your days will be prolonged. Yahweh God will be pleased with you. Why? Because you are doing exactly what Yahweh God tells you to do, to pass down these teachings, these quote-unquote dark sayings, that the rest of the masses, nine times out of ten, may not understand. And perhaps no greater dark sayings could be found than in the book of Proverbs. For most of the book of Proverbs was written by wise King Solomon. It was King Solomon who said, in much wisdom is much grief, much sorrow. And indeed there is, because many of the fools and the unbelieving masses out there would rather not be held accountable, that is, not be told the truth. And if Nine times out of ten, they come to you. Oftentimes, you will find it is easier just to oftentimes tell them a lie. That is, if they're not from among our people or if they're not equipped enough to handle the truth. And so we know, as Christian identists, that the very first verse in the book of Proverbs reads as such. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And this is what the purpose of Solomon's Proverbs are to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. So, dear kinsfolk, we must understand that there is a difference between wisdom and understanding. Many people out there can have a form of wisdom. They may be be wise in one area or another. They may be they who come along and they're very wise in man's politics. They're wise in gossip or they're wise in the things of the world. But they do not or cannot truly understand because they do not have understanding. Understanding is entirely different than wisdom. And that is the purpose of King David's Proverbs. To know wisdom, to know instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge, and discretion. So, to make a fool wise, in essence, or to even confound those who think they're wise, these dark sayings can do. Why? Verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. That is another way of saying understanding. A wise man will be able to hear. And we must understand, dear kinsfolk, that only Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah, is he who can give a person ears to hear or eyes to see. Even that what is plainly written and has been plainly written since Yahweh God saw fit to have his word assembled the way it is before us. To increase learning. That is why. 
these proverbs exist. And moreover, continuing on, to understand a proverb, quote-unquote a riddle, and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Once again, we see this concept of darkness and or sorrow within much wisdom. And if you were to read Proverbs completely through, you would see that King Solomon made many mistakes. We understand from the Bible that these aren't supermen. These aren't perfect examples. In fact, nine times out of ten, they were flawed men. They had many things going on within their life. Even Paul himself was a Pharisee and was on the road to Damascus to murder Christians. But he was eventually struck down and used in Yahshua Messiah's great will and his great plan. So we understand that there are many themes of darkness. Many themes of darkness exist within Christian identity and Christianity as a whole. The reality of it is, dear kinsfolk, is not everyone out there claiming to be Christian is. And it is up to us to judge a person according to their fruits. If they bring forth no fruits at all, well, they're fruitless. And if they bring forth rotten fruit, well, we understand that they're rotten people. But there are people out there who can bring forth fruit. And dear kinsfolk, in the wake of the events that happened to Covenant People's Church, myself and so forth, if you were following along on Eli James' Sunday broadcast, I explained many of those things within that broadcast. I explained what had happened. And I must say that the support, at least by way of email and financial support to the post office box, was greatly appreciated because, dear kinsfolk, Covenant People's Ministry will not die. We are simply relocating, most likely, to the Pacific Northwest. But in teaching, that is a trademark of an Israelite person. But at the same time, there are other trademarks. There are other reasons and other ways that we can understand who is who and who is Jew out there. First and foremost, the concept of love. It was Jesus Christ who taught no greater love or taught on the concept of love. And moreover, it was Jesus Christ who came as Yahweh, manifest in the flesh, God made Man, it was, Yah- it was Yahshua himself who came to earth and gave us that perfect example, a perfect example of love. For it was Jesus Christ who was a servant to his people. It was Jesus Christ who did all things in humility. It was Jesus Christ who told his people the truth continually, time and time again. And so many people come to me and they were wondering, what happened to Covenant People's Ministry, dear Kinsfolk? And I did not blame anybody. I did not blame anybody but myself. And chapter 13 in Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians sums up my predicament perfectly. And that is why I'll be covering this for the rest of the evening. Dear kinsfolk, we must understand that we can know Scripture. We can be Scripture lawyers. We can be Pharisees even and judge our brothers in all things. We can say, oh, well, he doesn't look pure. We could say we don't agree with this particular dogma or this particular doctrine. But the reality is, is we must judge a person according to their love, the love that they present to their kinsfolk. And that is why in Scripture, most oftentimes, the word agape, meaning agape love, the love that comes directly from Yahweh God to his people as a pattern, is translated charity. Indeed, when an Adamite thinks of the word charity, they think of charitable works. They think that perhaps feeding the poor, visiting the widows, is a form of agape love, and indeed it can be, because charity stems from love. True charity will be done for the sake of love. Someone who is charitable will make all their decisions based in love, whether it's a love for a specific person or a love for their entire people. 
For example, we understand that Scripture straightforwardly says God is love. And if we understand that God is love, we will mirror his perfect example that is in Jesus Christ. And so beginning in the very first verse of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this, and I mirror the sentiment. If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for us and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Understand the concept, dear kinsfolk. You may know the scripture, and we're all guilty of this. Many of us know the scripture, and because we have a little truth, we take that truth and we run with it. And many of us can be lifted up in vanity and pride, and we can let that little bit of truth turn us into something that we're not. But even if you have the ability, like Paul did, and Paul's still in writing, or you have the ability that I did to be able to preach, to convince the naysayers, to bring forth a good hypothesis, even if you could do all of those things, if it's not done in love, it's nothing. It is noise. It is a clanging gong, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Continuing on, Paul says this, And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, that is charity, God's love within me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. And so we see that Paul was meek. We see that Paul was humble. And as such, we also need to be meek and humble and do things in humility. Understand that even if Paul did what Jesus Christ taught in the Gospel of Mark, that is having faith enough to move mountains, even if he had that, if he didn't have love for his kinsfolk, if that mountain wasn't moved for the sake of love, he is nothing. I am nothing, even more so. I am, meaning the great name. And so people came to me and they were wondering, well, Pastor Visser, why was it when your website went down for a week there, it said, I am nothing. Here's your reason why. Because I was nothing at that point. And in humility, we must confess faults for one another. I was lifted up with pride, lifted up with vanity. I could not prioritize my life, and that was the reason why. Oh, indeed, I could preach. Indeed, I could beat down a Judeo-Christian, but it was never done in love. It was done out of anger and out of wrath. And dear kinsfolk, if you followed the testament of Dan this Sunday on uh, The Voice of Christian Israel with Eli James and Greg Howard, they presented that straightforwardly from the great patriarch Dan. Not only did they present the fact that that testament was written for the Israelite race only, but that anger and wrath are a gateway. If we give too much homage and give too much place to anger and wrath continually, it is Yahweh God's spirit who will leave us. And the spirit of Belial, or the spirit of the world, the spirit of Antichrist will enter into us. And that, dear kinsfolk, is when we are blinded. That's when we cannot see. And so if you have prophetic powers, if you have the ability to preach, if you have a great flock, if you do all these things, and you feed the hungry, and you mow your neighbor's lawn, but it's not done in love, guess what? You're nothing. And so we understand from the Old Testament as well that man's righteousness appears as filthy rags before Yahweh God. And that is the way it is. Dear kinsfolk, if you have any questions, go ahead and post them in the chat room. And I'll answer them. In fact, I'll open up the phone lines a little later. 
But continuing on on verse 3, Paul says as such, Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned in order that I may glory, but have not love or God's love in me, I gain nothing. You gain nothing. Why is that, dear kinsfolk? Because A, it's not done in love. And B, because Jesus Christ taught that we're not to store up treasures on earth, but we're to store up treasure in heaven where moth moth, nor rust doth corrupt. The reality of it is, dear kinsfolk, we must have our lives in perfect balance. We must be able to prioritize our life. We must be able to understand that when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus Christ, he was able to walk on water for a moment. But as soon as his eyes left, as soon as the faithlessness or the darkness of the world set in, Peter sank into the mire. Perhaps Peter didn't love enough. Perhaps that was the reason he denied. But the illustration is straightforward. You can give everything you have to the poor. You can be a hypocristian like the rest of the world and walk around and say, aren't I pious? Aren't I great? But in the end, it doesn't matter if it's not done in love. And now, dear kinsfolk, it is Paul who is about to explain what love is. And this, dear kinsfolk, is probably the most important part of this lecture because most people out there don't understand what love is. They are the ones who come along and say, well, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. How hateful is that? No, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah out of love, out of agape love. Why? Well, first and foremost, Yahweh God can't be made a liar, and Yahweh God's not going to be made a liar. Thus, the law of God we see is true. And, dear kinsfolk, if you truly love or love your neighbor or love your race, well, you will tell them the truth. You'll tell them the truth when the imposter enters into our ranks and they want to spend all their time gossiping or creating these insane propaganda notes for the enemy to come along and use. They'll come along and they'll say all sorts of horrible things, but in the end, it's really truly about the fruits. We see that people who engage in gossip aren't doing what they do in love. And people come up to me and they say, well, Pastor Visitor, how is it that you can go on one particular show and you have a mouth just to so, and you can go on to someone else's show and you have a filthy mouth, quote unquote? And the answer is quite obvious, I would think. There's a time and a place for everything. That is what Solomon says. And the reality of it is, is I'm only respectful on shows I respect. I don't respect a show. Why would I go on there and be respectful? But that's a side note. This is what love is. And Paul explains it straightforwardly, beginning in verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, or God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it's not self-seeking, and it's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So, consider, before continuing, these things are the easiest things for most Adamic men to, be, to fall within. It's easy to become conceited sometimes. It's easy to be prideful, especially when you are among God's chosen people, when Yahweh God is blessing you amply with crops or with blessings. Many things come and go within life. But many of God's people can be lifted up 
They can become selfish, as I have in the past. They can suddenly stop becoming a servant, which is the true essence of love, that is agape love. And we must understand that every time we see the word charity here, or love, as it is translated, is directly from that term, agape love, the love that Yahweh God gives us. And this love, true love, endures long. It is not love that comes along and says, well, you know what, I'm going to be married to you for 10 years and now I'll divorce you. That's not true love. True love is patient. Patient meaning it's not the type of love who comes along and says, you know what, I don't really like that you leave the cap off the toothpaste. I'm going to leave you. That's not true love either. But love is not envious. It's not necessarily boiling over with jealous, but we understand that our God, Yahweh, is a jealous God. And as such, the man he created in his image oftentimes will have a jealous love. It was Paul himself who said that he was jealous over particular people with a godly jealousy. But true love will not boil over with jealous. It will not seek to cage or control. It's not self-seeking. It's not resentful. Continuing on in verse 6. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. So when we see those imposters come along within the movement and they say, well, I hope this particular pastor goes to prison or I hope that this particular person ends up in jail because I don't agree with his dogma, I don't like the way his brother looks or whatever they come along with, we should be able to understand, well, guess what? They're not Israelites. They don't have love. They're not doing all things in proper perspective because all things are supposed to be done in love. And even if you can come along and say, hey, guess what? I have a great argument. I'm, you know, I know this verse more than anybody else. I know the Greek. I know the Hebrew, the Aramaic. It doesn't matter because it must be done in love. So I ask you, dear kinsfolk, are you telling your brother the truth in love? Are you telling it to be spiteful? Are you coming along and saying, ha, I know better than this. Christmas is a pagan holiday or whatever it could be. And that's what's going on this time of year. But love does not rejoice at injustice. Love is true love does not come along and say, oh, I'm so glad that this particular person went to jail. Actually, true sympathy would come into play. True love. Continuing on, verse 7. Love bears up anything and everything that comes. Stopping right there, understand, true love, that's what it does. It perseveres. It bears up anything and everything that comes. It is able to go through the world unshakable like Yahweh God, like the true agape love he sends. And thank God Yahweh God is that way. Yahweh God is steadfast, or else we would be consumed. Yahweh God is forgiving, and that is why we must forgive one another in order to be forgiven. We're supposed to mirror after our perfect example, Jesus Christ. And he, dear kinsfolk, would bear up anything, including the sins of his chosen people. So love bears up anything and everything that comes, and is ever ready to believe the best of every person, not the worst. It's not he who comes along and says, oh, guess what? Particular person right here just stubbed his toe, ha, ha, ha. Or look at Aunt Betty in the pew. What is she wearing? I can't believe that hat. How tacky is that? Understand that love wants to believe the best in every person. And so if you truly are an Israelite, you want to believe that particular people may have your best interest at heart. But do they? Nine times out of ten, they do not. No one out there knows what's best for you more so than you and God. And that was the case of Jesus Christ, was it not? During the Passover, when he tells Judas what you must do, do now. Judas had to go out and do what he did. But Jesus Christ, up until that point, up until the very end even, believed the best in Judas. 
So, true love must believe in every person, at least the best of every Israelite. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without ever weakening. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel, and would like to be a part of our fellowship, or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. It does not flail. Yahweh's love for us does not go back and forth, tempest-tossed. It is steadfast. It lasts throughout the ages. Continuing on, love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, that is the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and passed away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it also will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. And we must understand, dear kinsfolk, that truth is fixed. Truth, according to John 17, 17, in the words of Yahshua Messiah, is this word, the word that we are studying today. This Yahweh, God's word, that is truth. In a world of lies down here within Satan's kingdom. But all these things that come will fade. And in essence, what Paul is saying here is that everything dies. Everything will. Every person, every plant, every ministry, everything will eventually die. But the word of God abides forever. This earth and the kingdom of Yahweh God will abide forever. And so while all these things will pass away, we must understand that love will not. Love is the only thing that is true. Love is the only thing that cover up our sins. Love is our righteous works. Love is our fruits. And if we're judging a person according to their fruits, the way Jesus Christ says we should, then we understand that love, of course, is number one in that. But Paul continues. He says all these things will pass away. And in verse 9, chapter 13, in 1 Corinthians, he says, For our knowledge is fragmentary. It's fragmentary. Our knowledge as man is incomplete and imperfect. And our prophecy, our teaching is fragmentary. It's incomplete. It's imperfect. And so, in essence, what we see is Paul coming along and saying that man isn't functioning with all of his brain, that his brain will more or less be restored at the day of the Lord, quote-unquote, the second coming, the day of Advent, the day where every knee bows. Our knowledge down here as men is fragmentary. It's incomplete. It's imperfect. It is sentenced to fail, in essence. If we understand that Yahweh God placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning because he knew man would take from it. And if we understand that Yahweh's hand hath formed the crooked serpent, that Yahweh creates the wicked for the day of evil, then we understand why it is. Each one of us has within us a fragmentary set of knowledge. And as the many-membered body of Christ, perhaps we compose 
a whole, but as one man sitting out uh, outside of the congregation, we can become judgmental. We can become lifted up in vanity. We can point our finger and say, well, you know what? I don't like Pastor Visser's brother's picture. That must mean something, but it does not. You must understand, love doesn't fail. Our knowledge is fragmentary, and any man who would come along and say he's perfect is a liar. Only Yahshua Messiah was perfect. We, man, are imperfect. Verse 10. But when the complete and perfect total comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become antiquated, void, and superseded. Listen closely, dear kinfolk. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Now that I have become a man, I am done with childish ways and have put them away. Put them aside. I have put away childish things. This is what Paul is saying on a spiritual level and even on a physical level. There is a time and a reason and a purpose for everything under the sun. And there is also a time to grow up. A time to not act like a four-year-old in the schoolyard slandering and gossiping other people because you have inferiority complexes. There's a time when we must also put away childish doctrine. So when they come along and they teach us of the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, we know these things are false. But at the same time, there is that danger, the danger, and here come the dark saying, the danger of understanding that, hey, this is a pagan holiday, so why not attack everyone who celebrates it? Is that the proper spirit? Oh, no, indeed. Is that done in agape love? No, it is not. And so that danger comes in. A little knowledge can be a very dangerous thing. And I'm just using these holidays as an example. Many times we can understand, hey, we're not supposed to eat pork. And then we go out and condemn everyone who does. But that's not how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it in love. And when we're children, we will talk like children. You will think like children. And it was Jesus Christ who said, lest we repent and become as little children, we cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We cannot see the kingdom, period. And so man will come along and say, grow up, grow up, grow up. You need to mature. You need to become all of these things. But in reality, we should only physically grow up. Spiritually, we should become as little children. Spiritually, children believe in their father. Everything he says, they obey their father. It is when they become stiff-necked and grown and feel that they do not need their father, quote-unquote God, that they rebel. And thus is the story of the Israelite people. They did not put away childish things. For example, when they were through the Exodus, they get across the uh, Red River, they get across the and the first thing they do is fashion a calf, going after the whoredoms and after the customs of Egypt. They did not put away those childish things. They did not understand that it was Yahweh God who walked with them and promised them the land of Canaan, the land that was before them. And so we must understand there is a time for emotional and spiritual maturity. And part of that is admitting our faults one to another. Part of that is not being lifted up and saying, well, everyone else out there is wrong. Sometimes we have to admit fault and say, you know what, Pastor Visser was wrong. Pastor Visser wasn't correct in this particular area, or Pastor Visser may have just completely been cruel. And you know as well as I do, dear kinsfolk, and we've covered it from the pulpit before, anger and wrath not only are the paths to allowing demonic influence within your mind, but they're downright addictive. And when man walks around in a state of anger all the time, well, nine times out of ten, he's become addicted to that anger, and that anger has consumed him. 
and he's gotten used to the rush. So put away childish ways. Put them aside and really focus on your priorities. What leads you to do what you do? Is it to destroy another ministry or is it to upgrade another ministry? Is it to starve your neighbor or feed him, to make him naked or clothe him? Whatever the analogy be. Why? Verse 12. For now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or an enigma but then when perfection comes we shall see in reality and face to face now i know in part and perfectly but then i shall know and understand fully and clearly even in the same manner as i have been fully and clearly known and understood by god and so what paul is essence is saying in essence is that eventually most likely at the great and terrible day of the lord all things will be made manifest. All sins will be uncovered. All things will be made true. And this is the reason why we must do all things in love. Why? Because we ourselves look through a mirror dimly, darkly. What you see in yourself, dear kinsfolk, may not be what others see within you. And the reality is, is it's much easier to see fault in your friends or your kinsfolk than it is within yourself. But that's where it's supposed to start. We must understand that Jesus Christ came as a servant. He came to lay down his life, in essence. But the things he did were for the betterment of his people. And so we see, and it is easy for man to look and say, you know, I'm perfect. I know that Christmas is a pagan holiday. I know that you shouldn't eat pork. I know who God's chosen people are. And neglect all of these other areas, such as agape love, a required commandment. It was Jesus Christ who added nothing new. As Jesus Christ came, he walked and talked and taught the perfect law of Yahweh God. But the only thing he added, quote-unquote, to it all, as far as to love one another as he loved us. He loved us. No greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for his kinsfolk. We look through a mirror, dimmed, blurred. We see as reality, that is, the reality that we are indwelled within, the spiritual realm that the fool nine times out of ten cannot see. For they believe trees just sprout out of the ground perchance and clouds just hang because of circumstance. That reality is a riddle. And it is a riddle that is imparted based on how much understanding a particular person has. All of the word, all of the dark sayings, everything that Solomon, everything from Genesis to Revelation, all things that were written only then, and even not so then, but at the second advent, will you be able to truly see clearly? Will you truly be able to dictate? And this is the reason why Yahweh God tells us not to judge. Why? Because man's judgment nine times out of ten is wrong. Only God is true. And so, continuing on, final verse, verse 13 in 1 Corinthians. And so, faith, hope, love, abide, faith conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things, hope, being joyful and confident, expectation of eternal salvation and love, true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so we understand that it is Paul who confirms and gives credence to the statement of Jesus Christ, that the greatest commandment of all is to love, not to slander, not to destroy, not to try and torture people or to judge them according to your own set of dictates. 
The word of God is the only thing that is truth, dear kinsfolk. And many people out there would rather choose the lie. They choose the lie because the lie is more convenient. The lie is easier to believe. It's when truth comes in that a man becomes accountable. And that be the case, according to Paul, as Paul writes in in 13th chapter of Corinthians. He gives us many examples of what love is. And this is what love is. So mark it and underline it. Verse 4, long is, verse 4, love is long-suffering. What is long-suffering? It is tolerant. That is of one another, perhaps not sin, but it is tolerant of one another and it is patient. What else? It is kind. It is free of jealousy, envy, and pride. And therein is the great destroyer, pride. It is pride that lifted up Satan as the anointed cherub that covereth, sitting directly across Michael on the ark of the mercy seat. It was pride, that is, knowing that God created a coveted people, knowing that he bestowed the spirit of himself within them. Pride that lifted up the enemy. And it is pride that will lift you up nine times out of ten. And so we must understand that when Jesus Christ teaches, pride goeth before a fall, we should be able to not only understand that in our enemy, and many times we'll see that, and we'll see, oh, our enemy fell. He was prideful, he was lifted up, he was vain. But can you see it within yourself, dear kinsfolk? For I believe that is the reason why Jesus Christ taught it. So that you would know, oh my goodness, I'm being lifted up with pride. A fall is coming. It is a warning, a warning of love from Jesus Christ. What else is love? According to verse 5, love does not display unseemly behavior. Love is unselfish. Love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Love... That is, it takes no account of the evil done to it. Outwardly, it ignores the suffered wrong. So understand this concept. Even if the detractor comes along and he says, well, I don't like Pastor Visser because Pastor Visser deleted me from his forum. Or Pastor Visser, you know, I don't like what he taught about Sam Hain or whatever it be. Even if what they said was true. And even if they had suffered a wrong on account of Pastor Visser, well, true love isn't going to take account of it. It's not going to mark it over here and say, oh, you owe me one. Rather... True love doesn't keep track. Well, according to verse 6, love also hates evil. So understand that. A part of true agape love that is from God is to eschew, meaning or hate, or have the enmity placed between the seeds, evil, evil doing, sin, and so forth. And then there is the answer to the Judeo-Christian, who wonders why it is God would destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Well, because true love hates evil. If you truly hate evil, you don't want to see your children raised up in an evil world. Rather, you would speak out against it. But many people come along and they say, well, why should I fight the world? I'm not going to get stressed out over the world. And indeed, you shouldn't. You shouldn't allow your spiritual health to slack as I have in the past because the world is just so. Rather, you should focus it, prioritize, shut up for a moment, if you will. Think about it, listen, and then respond. But we see that when Jesus Christ was delivered up before man, he followed the same exact demo. They only know what you want them to know. So, according to verse 6, true love hates evil, and so should we. Also, according to verse 6, love is associated with honesty, meaning that honesty is a trait that Israelite man shows because he loves. So, if we do not have love within us, we cannot be honest at all. And if we do not portray or at least exhibit these outward signs 
of true love, agape love. Well, guess what? You won't be able to have any honesty within you. All you'll be able to do is slander and lie and bear false witness. And the next verse confirms that. According to verse 7, love protects. It doesn't come out and say, guess what, so-and-so, and try to uncover the sins of the other people. Rather, it protects, like Jesus Christ, like his perfect blood, covering our sins. We should cover our sins one to another. But also, love not only protects, love trusts. And what trust is, is implying faith in God and trusting in righteousness. It's unmerited favor. It is the grace of God. But trust is a form of faith, which is also love. And so when you understand that love and faith are directly linked, and that faith and trust are essentially, in a lot of ways, the same emotion, then we should be able to understand that trust requires faith. It is the same trust in one another, or your spouse, or your brother, or your kinsfolk, that trust that we must have, that we must have in God as well. And if we can mirror the love that we have, or the trust that we have in God with our partners, with our neighbors, with our family, then we have failed. It is like Paul says, we are nothing. We can go and give great speeches, but it sounds like babble, sounds like nothing. So understand love, trust, and love also, according to verse 7, hopes and perseveres. It overcomes the world. And so understand that true love will persevere, will overcome all of these things down here, the rudiments. And there are a million and one distractions, dear kinsfolk, admittedly. Something for everybody. Something for every vice, something for every habit, something for every sin. It will exist. The devil will have something to appeal to you. And if you are not putting on the gospel armor every day, well, you will not persevere. Your love will become weakened. And that is essentially what was taught by the Testament of Dan, and it is essentially what is Paul is saying here in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, perseverance, being able to overcome good with evil and not render evil for evil, comes from love. And so when someone stands before you, and they're attacking you, per se, verbally, and it's particularly not the time to knock them on his hind end, that also could be done in love. It's like the analogy, dear kinsfolk, of the snake in the sandbox. What would you do? We live in an age now where many people love animals, they love dogs, they love people, they love horses more than they do their own people. Oh, indeed, many people will focus more attention on the pedigree of their horses or their dogs or their dachshunds, more so than they will their own children or their offspring. And this is not how it should be, dear kinsfolk. There are two more things that love is, two more things that love will do, and they're found in verse 8 and verse 13. Number one, love triumphs. Love will overcome. So understand, no matter what the devil brings against you, if the gates of hell come to you, if your love is true, if your love is strong, if your love is focused, more importantly, focused love as in agape love, sent from Yahweh God, it will triumph over anything that comes its way. Why? Because verse 13 gives the final characteristic of what love is. Love is greater than either faith or hope. And so, as I said, faith is a form of love. True faith comes from love. But love, like all things in Scripture, and doing all things in love, is greater than all. And we must not neglect that. We must not forget that. 
for many will come along and they want to beat people over the head and say, you know, you don't agree with my particular dogma. Well, you find this a lot in Judeo-Christianity. They'll come along and they'll say, well, we love everybody. We love the homosexual. We love uh, Patty and Leroy, quote, unquote. Well, we love this particular sinner and this particular person, but we don't love Pastor Visser. Oh, no, we don't love Pastor Visser. Or they'll come along and they'll say, well, all you need is love. Or they'll say, uh, you know, you're supposed to do all these things, but you don't see them suddenly feeding Pastor Visser when he's hungry. You don't see them visiting Pastor Visser when Pastor Visser's in jail when we're supposed to remember them in bonds. And so what we have in Judaism, that is Judeo-Christianity, is hypocrisy in a nutshell. Nine times out of ten, they're the Pharisee, the scripture lawyers, those who get lifted up and think they can cover their sins. And I'm here to tell you, dear kinsfolk, if you think you can sin and get by and Yahweh God will not know, you're misled. The reality is, is Noah believed that. Satan believed that. Esau believed that. They all believed they could sin and get by. Whatever it was, whatever vice it could have been, whatever little dark desire was within their heart, they tried to come out and they tried to engage within it. And we know that sin is a transgression of the law. We know that the Ten Commandments encompass all of the law. And so somewhere within those ten, we will find a violation with in each and every one of us. And the reality is, is it is only the false prophet who will come along and say, oh, I'm so perfect. Why not admit fault within yourself? Especially when Scripture says that even our righteousness appears as filthy rags. Even if you do all these things in love, understand that as well in the eyes of God. If you're able to do all these things in love, you're able to preach, you're able to convince the gainsayers, you're able to convince masses of Anglo-Israelism. What does it matter if it's not done in the proper spirit? What does it matter if it's done for self, self self-aggrandizement, or to break down another particular person? And so, dear kinsfolk, we must understand that. Very important concept. And within Christian identity, nine times out of ten, you will not hear the concept of love covered too much because, well... People consider love as a sign of weakness, but it is not. This is the defining force. We must understand that. It was not love that caused the original sin. It was faithlessness, not believing within the word of God, but rather believing in a person's own heart, and the hearts of man is wicked. And so we must also understand at the same time that there is no differentiation in Scripture of heart, mind, just like charity and love are interlocked within the term agape, well, so is heart and mind. The Judeo-Christian will come along and say, well, all you got to do is open your heart to Jesus. Well, I wish it was that easy, dear kinsfolk, and that's unfortunately nowhere written within Scripture, simply not that easy. But the truth is, is that people will believe what they want to believe. And it was Jesus Christ who said we were to judge a person according to their fruit, fruits, meaning works. So those that you surround yourself with, whether they be your partner, your neighbor, your friends, your coworkers, are you judging their fruits? Are you discerning their fruits? And more important than seeing fault in other people, are you examining yourself continually, nonstop? And I cannot stress this enough. There is a reason why the gospel panoply exists in Scripture. There is a reason why we're commanded to put it on every day, at least spiritually, to pray for the breastplate and to continue in the word, to always be within the word. Why? Well, first and foremost, the word is the sword. 
The word is all truth. The word has all our answers. And while the fool sits down here and they say, gee, I don't know how we got here. I don't know if I believe in evolution or creationism. The Christian, that is you and I, we have it written within our Bible for 2,000 years, if none more. We already have tomorrow's newspaper. We already have the answer. While the fool or the collegiate out there, the professor, tries to unlock the mysteries of the universe, the Christian has the mysteries of the universe within the first five verses of his Bible. And that is what it's for. So we must always remember to keep them as the frontlet of our eyes. But more than that, continually spiritually keeping ourselves in check so that we don't fall. For it is what caused Satan to fall, being loveless and being full of pride. So if we are able to do that, dear kinsfolk, we should be able to discern the spirits in one another. We should be able to upbraid one another, help one another, and be true Christian brothers to one another. But the reality is, is many out there do not. Many are like wolves that are sent in among the sheep. And we know it was Jesus Christ who said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. The words of Jesus Christ will not change. Man may come along and fudge them, alter them, add to them, or just completely erase them and put his own words in there. But his sheep, his Israelite people, his precious bride, will always recognize and will always follow. And so, dear kinsfolk, with that being established, I will now see if anybody wants to call in. And if not, I'll call it a radio show. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.